0: Sit down and buckle up. It's time for the Pirate Month Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Pirate Month Podcast. All right, here we are live at Eva, Tennessee. Today we've got a bunch of awesome guys. We have a new co-host. Nate Larkin has gone off to the hotel. Well, see, that sounds weird. feels like it needs a story now. I, I, got, I got nothing More to fault. More
0: will be revealed about that, I
1: guess.
2: So no, Jim Crest
1: sitting in. It, it is legit. Yes. He is loving his bride. That is right. Now, that didn't help either with these <laughs> off to the hotel. All right. I give up with it. Nate's not here. Jim's here. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. Good to be with you all. Jim has been loving us through the word and inspiration this weekend. And we're going to get to the questions of the men in this room. But first, we're going to tell you some stuff that's available in the technology department, starting with a search feature that's called something different than that.
3: <laughs> that's right. Thanks, Aaron. So for those in the room, this is a repeat of what we talked about yesterday. Um I'm Mike. I'm on the IT team. Hi Mike. Hi guys. Uh we have a new feature that's rolling out on the website this week called Find a Brother. When you log into the website, so the website for those that don't know is SamsonSociety.com. Log in on the website and it's under the navigation button that says member search. When you go there, you can now locate guys that are in your local area, or if you're traveling somewhere, you can locate guys that are close by wherever you're headed. So it's an awesome opportunity to connect with brothers in your local region, find out who's close to you. If you're new to Samson, it's a great way to get connected. Even if you've been in Samson for lots of years, it's a great way to get connected we have tons and tons of guys that are in the database that have been there for a long time may be disconnected from local meetings. So it's a great way to reinvigorate and reinvite them back to meetings. It's also a great way to discover meetings that are happening or listed in your area. So
1: as yeah, I mentioned, real quick, real quick before we move on from that thought, we're good. I just that one was buzzy when I was holding we it. We can't hear go, it.
3: nothing? No. Okay.
1: I'll use this until you start talking. I'll change mics again. Uh, before we move on, those of you in the room that listen to this but haven't done it, pull out your phones. Those of you listening at home or in the car driving, pull out your phones. Not driving, but riding in the car. <laughs> Whatever. Some of you have more <laughs> skills and less when you're driving. I understand that. Don't Samson and drive. It's not recommended. <laughs> All right. So pull it out and just, again, let walk them through it one step at a time, and if you don't Find what he's saying, raise your hand and say, you're full of crap, it's not here. And then he'll explain how it's your problem, but start by blaming him.
3: Man, I love this. This is so encouraging. Uh, Yeah, so right? www.samsasociety.com, and log in. So some of you may be saying, first red light, I don't have a login, right? If you're a virtual guy, you should have a login. Your login should be your email address. If you don't remember the password, use the forgot password link. It'll email you a reset. If you're an in-person guy, um, if you don't have a login, the easiest way to fix that is to contact your group admin, whoever your group leader is, have him add you into that meeting, and then you'll have a group uh, you'll have a login. If you don't know who your group admin is or you don't have a regular in-person meeting that you connect with, A, find a meeting, but B, email support at samsonhouse.org. And we'll take care of it for you. And we'll get you a login.
1: All right. Oh, wait. Support Support
3: at at Samson Society. I think they both work. But SamsonSociety.com.
1: Yep. All right. Is it working for everybody looking at your phones right now? So once you log in,
3: click on Member Search. The navigation link is Member Search. And that'll take you to the Find a Brother page. And it asks for the city. So city could be anywhere could be where you live, could be where you're traveling. And then the distance, how like radius. And this works in North America. Sorry international guys, we will add international at some point down the road, but works in North America for now. Sorry our Canadian friends, it's in miles, not kilometers. You know, we can only do so many things at one time. So, in miles what's the radius you want to search? 25 miles, 50 miles, 100 miles, whatever. And when you click search, it'll show you a list of the guys that it found. Now, there's two different ways it'll show up. If someone has already given permission for their results to be disclosed, it'll show their name with a link to their email address. If they have not yet given permission for that, it'll say X number of guys located in your search area. So maybe it'll say 125 guys. It'll give you the opportunity then to click a button to email all those guys and say, Hey, Johnny is looking for guys in his area and you choose what you're looking for. Are you looking to connect for a local event? You want to meet together for lunch? You want to, you know, whatever you choose and all that information gets sent out asking permission for their contact information to be revealed. So we don't
1: automatically disclose anybody's contact information without your permission. Okay. Want to touch on two other things real quick. Um, for those of you that need, maybe you don't have guys in your immediate area. You're doing online meetings. Uh, we have Slack. Slack is not for everyone, but if you've never done it, Patrick, can you tell me how to Slack in in terms that a fool could understand?
0: A okay. bunch of slackers. Yeah,
1: yeah, it works for uh, us. We, we so. have a bunch. Um, of-
4: do- so <laughs> imagine Slack as kind of social media that's not toxic. <laughs> um don't think facebook think of all samson guys you know uh we created it somewhat because we needed a place to hang out us virtual guys don't have a meeting after the meeting because we just log out of zoom and it's over and this was a place where we could meet together um slack is really flexible in that there are different topics that you can you know there's just kind of general discussion there's the prayers and shares thing. So if you wanted to share something about your recovery or ask for prayer, those channels are in there. Um, this is not a replacement for going to meetings. <laughs> you still need to be in meetings. You still need to be interacting with people. You know, If, if you want to emotionally vomit, um, some people do that on Slack. And usually <laughs> someone kind of contacts them directly and says, maybe you should be talking to your Silas. You know, maybe this isn't the right place. For that discussion, but there's also lots of special interest channels out there. There's a DIY channel, my favorite. I love to cook. There's the cooking channel out there. Um, So uh, we've got over 1600 logins going on Slack right now. And on any given week, we've probably got about four or 500 people that are actively at least reading Mm -hmm. and some posting so um, so
1: how do you get there and sign up and log in?
4: Okay. If you don't have a login already for Slack, um, Mr. Mocha is going to be posting one in the Noble Briefing that is coming out very soon. So,
1: Is, is there anyone not on the Noble Briefing? Because there seems to be a lot of important information going there. Okay. So how do they make sure that they... We'll get on that so that they can get on the next thing, which will lead them to final things.
4: Probably the easiest way is send email to the support address, and we'll take care of you somehow.
1: And once again, that email address was? Support at samsonsociety.com. All right, and say, give me the no bull briefing, and then everything else will be linked there. So they'll go to Slack, make a login.
4: Right, you'll create your login Uh, There's a Slack app for Android and iPhone and Windows, and you can also get there uh, with a web browser. So it's pretty ubiquitous. It's easy to get to. Um, And once you're in, there's a standard set of channels that we give to everybody, and then you can add other channels. So there's a whole big long list of stuff that you can add. You just go to the left down towards the bottom, click on the thing where it says add a channel, and then you'll get the list um also there are some that are private channels that are unlisted um you know and one of the things that we publish in the general channel is kind of like hey here's an example of the stuff that's out there so there are some private channels and if that applies to you you can contact um the support address or or sean ask sean um and he can hook you up with the guy uh, that can get you into some of those private channels i think there's a private channel for clergymen i believe Okay. Um, So by private
1: channel, it's not that there are secret and salacious things on those uh, channels, but rather they're specific to certain needs that these folks, that this might apply. Right. You can join that. You you ask to be added. You ask to be added. But you know that it is a private place to discuss certain things that you might not want just in a general room. Yep. So, okay. Any questions about Slack? How to get there? What to do when you get there? Awesome. Final question that was brought up. For those that have never done an online meeting, what is the process by which you go? Because you have to go to a newcomer's meeting, but to do that, you have to have an account. So walk you don't. Walk us through the process. Okay. So and by if- the way, if you've already done this, but you need to explain it to someone else, here are the authorized words that you can explain <laughs> to somebody else. Wow. If you're using other words copyright infringement no
3: i'm just kidding yeah so anybody can join a newcomer meeting um if you know of a guy that needs to jump in and is interested in samson send him to the main website so again samsonsociety.com. right on the very front page scroll down you can find a list of the upcoming newcomer meetings they happen every day of the week at different times um if he if Those five or six that are listed on the front page aren't enough. He can click the red find a meeting button, and it'll take him to the full calendar of the next two or three months. So there's lots and lots of options. All he has to do is click on send me an invitation or send an invite, whatever that says. It will email him the link to join the meeting. So you can join in to that newcomer meeting. Like I said, they happen every day of the week. Um, Once he attends that newcomer meeting, then we will send him an email that he can sign up for the website, join Slack, get enrolled and all of that. Once he actually is enrolled, then the the regular meeting schedule is published um, primarily in Slack. So it's in the Samson Meeting Info channel. That's one of the channels Patrick was talking about for Slack. Every day we post links to all the meetings. So there could be anywhere from four to ten or more meetings in a day. Um, You can jump into any of them at any time. You don't have to pre-register. You don't have to be invited. You just jump in. If it fits your schedule or you want a meeting, click the link and jump in. Um, They're open to anybody. Well, any Samsung people. Um, So that's one way to do it. Another way to do it is to log in on the website. We also publish links to all the meetings. Once you have website access, Um, you can jump into any meeting that way. And there's finally also a Google Calendar. The link to the Google Calendar is in Slack. So you can see all the meetings that are coming up every day for the next full week.
1: Thank you, guys. All right. <laughs> all right, it's one of my favorite things of the weekend, just hearing what's on your mind and questions you have. But I had a thought for this morning. This will be the microphone if you have a question. Make your way up here and ask your question. But in light of the stuff Nate talked about, Um, sometimes we have a lot of questions about technical running a meeting and this person keeps doing crosstalk. What do we do? Can we keep this morning's questions to heart things and not technical things? And they can be questions from your life or relationships. They can be questions about us, uh, for some of you,
0: especially about you. You've been very candid,
1: which I thought was your turn, but uh, okay. Uh, for those of you that listen to the podcast this year, uh, my marriage of 25 years ended with the woman that I dated since high school. The only girl I ever dated. So you might be going through stuff and have questions about what the process has been for me. Feel free to ask whatever personal questions. If I feel it's uh, not appropriate for me to answer because it's telling someone, other, someone else's story, I'll let you know. Um, but feel free to ask it. So let's just keep a heart level so I'm going to keep talking with Jim here until someone comes to the microphone for the first question. Make sure you introduce yourself. And so now Jim and I are chatting. Is anyone at the microphone yet? I don't feel uh, anyone's
0: moving. Someone is on his way. Ooh. In three, two, one. Hey, guys, I'm Chris. Hey. Hi, Chris. <coughs> so I was really struck by
5: the story of Timo this morning yes. and Timo's attraction, his magneticism, and um, my course struggle as a guy in recovery for many years and wrestling with the sobriety piece versus the recovery piece is how do I say I'm in recovery and yet still confess all the things that I am sinful wise, all the places I struggle? There seems to be a divide there that if I confess those things, maybe I'm not doing my recovery right. Rather than if I say those things and am vulnerable and am honest and say, listen, me too, this is where I am. Um, I might not be looked at necessarily as an example or someone who's being, and I'll use this word as just an example,
1: successful. Okay. I feel like there's some follow-up questions I need before I can answer. So stay up here real quick. So can you define, so you've got this recovery thing. Yeah. And the last thing you said is, if I am real time confessing, yes, then there's going to be a perception, or you're going to feel, they're going to feel, or you're going to feel, or both somehow. Sometimes both. Okay. Yeah. That you're <clears throat> not being honest, or you're just not succeeding, not in victory. Right.
5: So if I, so let's say I have a, I have a relapse, and I and I show up at a Samsung meeting, and I say, I mean, I, and just for, for FY, I'm a recovery coach, professional recovery coach, so. Mm-hmm. I've got guys in my Samson meeting that I coach and you can talk professional all you want to, but I believe that the vulnerability of being honest and saying, Hey, I had a bad week. I, I went back to the well. Um, I don't keep dates. I can't go to no offense. SA. I can't go to SA because I don't do sobriety dates. It's triggering sure. for me. So I'm, I really love the invitation that, that Nate gave into that level of vulnerability and, and, and one anotherness being with, to say, listen, there's not really a point at any point where I can not confess
1: something. Yeah. Oh, that's great. All right. Jim's going to have a, such a great answer for this. But before he answers, I'm curious, has anyone else in here felt afraid to be honest in a meeting because you've done so well for a while and now you fucked it up? Amen. Okay. So almost everybody in here. So how do we get over the hump of saying, I'm here to be real and confess? Well,
0: I am Jimmo, not Timmo. That's important. And that's my buddy, Chriso. So here's the dilemma. I feel one dilemma is you hear a great story, which is true. And Nate reads that whole thing, which was true. And then you try to take that and, ooh, that's and try to make it yours. I don't believe you should share, and Brene Brown's research backs this up, you should, I don't believe you should share your story with anybody who has not at some level earned the right to hear your story. Because if you share your story with the wrong person, Brene Brown says it's a shit show. So now, you have to determine who is the right person. You're in these meetings, or whether you're on Slack or whatever, <clears throat> who's earned the right to hear your story? The passage Nate shared this morning, as he spoke here, in and I'm not topping Nate; I'm joining him. in In Greek, it is in the continual tense. It's all you need to know. It means "be ye continually." It does not say "confess your sins to one another, It's "be continually ongoing." And Nate said it so eloquently. How am I going to show up any? Day? How am I going to show up in one minute and not have a sin to confess? Right. So I think the idea is. Earning the right, and I think even, if I may for a moment, use a, a, a model, Jesus walked and spoke to the masses. And then he had a group of disciples. Watch the concentric circles of a bullseye. The group's getting smaller. The masses, the disciples, the 12 apostles. You remember those buddies, Peter, James, and John? Like the Mount of Transfiguration. And then, I don't know, probably Peter was his best buddy. You get to pick what you want. So all those concentric circles is... Um, when you share your story or your sin or you're confessing to someone and they haven't earned the right to do that, and even though you say in the meetings, like I attended a meeting here the other night, in strictest confidence, well, that doesn't mean you have a guarantee that everybody's in strictest confidence. So I think part of that is who do I, and, and my thought on that is in life, including a Silas, have one or two, and you decide. Chris has eloquently stated if he is a coach, and he is. He's a great coach. There's a dilemma for any of us, whether you're a pastor, coach, I'm a therapist, and a coach, of sharing something with someone under you, uh, I'd want to step back. You're not hiding, but the better part of wisdom is to say, what's the fact, I'm going to confess this, but what's the impact on people, as Jack Nicholson said, they can't handle the truth? So I think there's wisdom. Uh, There's no law that says you must confess things to to the whole crowd. That's just the thought I have, to have wisdom of who you confess that to.
1: And as we finish this thought, make sure the next person's up here ready. We need a bullet in the chamber or we're just going to talk forever. Uh, the only thing I want to add to that is Please. it goes back to the what happens in vagueness stays in vagueness and yeah. the fear that if I'm only in this group and it's not appropriate for me to share the entire truth with everybody. I can be honest with this group right. without giving all the details, but I must have some people that have all the details. Absolutely. So that's where I know I'm off if I'm like, okay, I'm only being vague and making sure that I'm in a broader group with broad general truths. Now you're in trouble. Watch out.
0: And have that one guy, by the way, in your life, no matter whether there's a name of him like Silas or anything else, always, gentlemen, anyone listening to this podcast, always include the omissions. A great thing. Please don't be legalistic and judgmental about this. Just say, hey, buddy, what are you not telling me? In every check-in, what are you not telling me? So I think the idea of getting in groups, which I love groups, and being able to share that, but I'd get your one or two, your James and John or whoever, and say, you I'm going to tell everything to. And by the way, it's free country. If you say, I'm coming to the group, opening the kimono and sharing everything, it's your right, right to do. It. I'm just saying, be wise about that. And especially if your wife's in the Sarah Society or your partner or wife is not coming home to make yourself feel better and say, I've got to confess it all. And you dump that on her, as Tom said so eloquently. You T-bone her in an intersection. You drive in a dump truck, and she's on a bicycle. Some guys, just to feel better, i got to go and dump
6: all that on her.
1: A thought. A thought. A few
6: thoughts. All right. Hey, guys, I'm Don. Hey, Don. Don. <laughs> Jim, um, I really appreciate uh, you being up here, especially um, you know, as uh, both a former pastor and, and, um, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a chaplain in the Army, and I really feel led that I would love to start a, um, an in-person meeting. Um, a, a couple of years ago on the podcast, Nate talked about the devil's bargain that a pastor uh, is given because um, we are put on a pedestal. Uh this is a place where I I can um I can be a man. Yeah. And uh but I I'm not really sure how to navigate um starting uh starting a, a an in-person meeting um at my installation. Um I would love it if I had another brother who could start it and I could just show up. Um, but I feel a real need to do that, a real calling to do that. I'm just trying to find the wisdom in how to do that because of the fact that not only is my story, um, I know my own, and I'm very grateful for addiction and recovery, but unfortunately, and this is not a judgment, unfortunately, there are just a lot of people who will still say, well, you're a chaplain, so you should have all this shit together. And I'm just seeking some wisdom on how best to uh Can, to can do that. you
1: describe a little more? what the fear is beneath I come honestly and then I
6: get that judgment. What's I think it's, I think of? it's more of the fact that, um, maybe the fact that there wouldn't be strictest confidence. And, um, the military is one of the only places that, uh, if you are found out to have a committed adultery, you can still go to jail. Um, but I know I have a powerful testimony. I'm, I praise God for, like Nate, my wife stayed with me, and and uh, um, and I want to protect her as well. So I just I'm seeking some wisdom on that. Me, sure. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, <coughs> <laughs> well, that's fine, Don. Um, you don't have to run off. You're allowed to sit. Um, I work with a lot of guys. Um, doesn't matter what where they are in the military, but a lot of men in the military understand what you've said. And I work with a lot of pastors and it's professional suicide. If it leaks out sometimes, even if it was yay, you know, three years ago, I did X, Y, and Z. Now, Jim Cress is not the king of the hill. He's not running the show up here. I'm just telling if I'm going to be on a microphone, I get to tell my truth. Doesn't mean it's the truth, right? I think again, back to where we were a moment ago is wisdom of what you share And I never assume in the therapy office or when I've led groups and workshops of men for years that it's in the strictest of confidence. we're wired for gossip. We're wired to do triangulation and say, hey, don't tell anything about Jim or Jeff or whoever or or Don. Don't, Don't tell anybody this. But so I think there is great wisdom in what I call the pebble in the pond. That's the pebble goes out. We're sitting in this beautiful scene back here with this lake behind us. The pebble goes down, you disclose it in a meeting, you have no control over the ripples that go on after that. And so I think you have to decide in the better part of wisdom. But here's the thing, you always better have one or two that you can sit down with and you say, They're my Aaron and my her, they're my Silas, whatever, and you say, I really trust them. That's still confession. Sometimes that I'll speak a little more teeny tiny professional for a moment, okay? Um, And when you and I talked yesterday just about life and stuff, just buddies talking, just your heart and my heart, like, just want to be real, just want to be authentic. But there's a sense that when you're in a position of leadership, I just encourage you that it's a different level because you can say something and some people can't handle the truth. Do with that what you want. I'm just saying the better part of it is that once you share it, you can never unshare it. So I think part of that is to get in and say I'm willing to share. Some people would say, you know, in my story, there has been infidelity. And if somebody grabs you by the throat or pulls you in a full Nelson and says, you must tell all the, no, I must not, I, I choose what I get to share out of my story. Sometimes it's like, by God, we're in a Samson society. Now, you all wouldn't do this here. We're going to be real and we're just, who says? I mean, yeah, but there's a sense of saying I will be as wise as I can who I share what with sobering reminder once you share it you don't get it back and if you're over here on this side of the room sitting there saying hey i'll share anything i want then do it but if don says "Mm, i want to be wise about but but always have one or two you can share the whole enchilada with does that make sense yeah it's tough the more you lead chris talking about coaching when you're leading a group of men and if something comes up and you struggle I would pause and, and, and be vulnerable, but mind yourself of the impact that some of those guys will screw that. He's had two years of sobriety and down he went, I quit. There's just a mindfulness about it,
1: in my opinion. There's a big difference between in- honesty and vulnerability that we get confused about. And I think you can be super honest, which is like a window. You can look in. You can't touch it, but you can see the stuff. <laughs> if I'm only honest then I'm still lying because I can hide stuff behind the window dressing. So I can be with a group of people and feel like I was really honest and no, I was not vulnerable, but seriously come and see like that. But there's gotta be someone that is allowed to come in and look like under things and behind things and say, like you're scared of something over here. But I think the answer is very similar to the last question, right? That we Mm -hmm. just have to be wise about, do I know you? Do I trust (laughs) you? And and am I developing the habit of just getting excited by letting you letting everybody in without yeah. wisdom? That's yeah. that becomes an unhealthy thing. Amen. All right.
0: Hey, I'm Sam. Hey, Sam. Hey, Sam. Um, you had mentioned about your marriage, and I'm sorry that sucks. Um, Thank you. Uh, it may be in a month that I'm in that same position, and I guess the question I have is thinking of, you know, wanting after the fact to try to repair things, reconciliation
2: afterwards or, or remarriage, is that healthy or unhealthy for me to be thinking that way? And is that destructive to my recovery or is it okay to be thinking that way? Can you
1: clarify, do you mean reconciliation with her? Yes. possibly remarriage Yes. Her?
2: Reconciliation, okay. possible remarriage. You know, just having that hope. Is that, a, is that a good thing
0: for me to hold on to or is that... Is that keeping me from other good things that I should be
2: working on in my recovery
1: i'm I'm going to start by saying one thing that I've learned' it's been amazing to be initiated into the divorced man club. I actually didn't realize what mm. what intimacy there would be with people and amazing conversations I'm super grateful for, and that was after counseling people for decades, thinking like i'm so and in- I get this, I've sat there with people for hundreds of hours. Um, I didn't know anything. It was amazing. And what I have found first is how shocked I am by the different experiences based on all the different factors that went into that relationship and the love and then the brokenness that led to that decision. So my first thought when you ask that question is, I don't know. (laughs) Because, man, I know some guys that keep pursuing that and it becomes an obsession in a way that even if they did reconcile, it'd be the most unhealthy reconciliation ever. So, yeah, they need to stop and they need to focus on these things. And then there's other guys that can do that with a, a kind of quiet grace and appropriateness that if that is healing, because sometimes healing happens when two people are apart. In fact, the healing is not going to happen if they're together. So healing can happen in that way. But I, I think it is very specific to what's gone on and what's going into this, which is a really crappy answer. Answer nothing for you, but what do you want to add to that? Thanks I, for uh,
0: No kidding, I thought that's a, thought that was a brilliant answer. Not just because of where you are, your red dot you know, that says I am here, but just the wisdom behind what you've said, and I affirm you in that. Uh, Scott Peck said, uh, he wrote a great book called "In Others: The Road Less Travel." That mental health—what we want to be—that version. I'm going to be kind of as good as I can be mentally and spiritually. But mental health is what—it's a commitment to reality at all costs. As soon as I say it's a commitment to reality, everybody tunes out. At all costs. So the idea of Carnes found in his research. Here's why. And you don't have to like Patrick Carnes. Okay. You can like him. Are you leaving? Left. I'll project okay. to the back row. He found, and I think this is crucial in all the research. Two reasons why guys don't get better, stay sober—not perfect, whatever—in sex addiction, porn recovery, whatever you want to call yours—is the failure to grieve the loss of the addiction. Your favorite ice cream is no longer in the freezer, and you got to know it because all you got to do is say, you know, I could knock one out every now and then. I could, I could act out. Failure to grieve, the loss of the addiction. Second, failure to grieve, ready? The losses of the addiction. That's why if you ask me, sum up what you do in counseling more than anything else, I know the answer. Grief work. Helping people. If you don't grieve, the pain won't leave, says your old buddy Jimbo. So that idea. So that's one. Mental health is a commitment to reality at all costs. And doing the grief work of saying, some guys, have worked, they've never even counted up the losses. And it cost me this. It might cost me a job cost me this, whatever else, and whatever else that might be, maybe cost me the marriage. So that's one thought. The great uh, theologian and philosopher uh, that some of you have read or heard of, uh, the great theologian and philosopher Jim Carrey, was in an epic narrative once that some of you know of called Dumb and Dumber. And he's talking with the girl Lauren Hutton in that, and she says, I know you want to date me and all that. You all know where I'm going, right? The chances of you getting a date with me are one in a million together quartet choir what did he say next so you're saying there is a chance <laughs> why well, i say that's important as i've seen many men i have three g's i use you can decide if it works on this side don't grovel in front of your wife please i'll just do anything the other g on the other extreme is don't grandstand i'm in recovery with or without you don't grovel don't grandstand Top of the third G is, but be grounded. All together, ready? Heal the boy and the, the man will appear. And so to stand up there, remembering Blaise Pascal, the philosopher, who said all, yours too, mine too, all of our problems as men stem from the inability to sit alone with yourself quietly in a room. Find out if it's your wife divorcing you, is hitting any abandonment issue from childhood. Remember, if it's hysterical, it's historical. Just, just think about it, whether you're with a therapist or not. And I believe just in conclusion is, and this is going to sound really weird to some people, language I use, I want to see a man like you have the law of attraction, not the law of promotion, which is I'm going to say, hey, babe, see what I'm doing in recovery? Be the person you are, have men around you saying you're really going through recovery. Someone doubts your recovery and says, you're not in recovery, and have men say, you're in real recovery, and then watch. Every man in this room, if you want somebody, you're worth being chosen after 10 divorces, and walk your path of integrity. The Bible says the man who walks in his integrity, see that as wholeness, the man who walks in his integrity walks securely. And some guys are like, yeah, but can I do that? And they're advertising, and do you say there is a chance, and I can't, whatever. Walk in your integrity, see if she'll have a conversation, see if she might go to therapy, whatever else, and when someone shows you who they are, believe them. She may say, I'm done, I'm moving on. And last thing, just pay attention to what goes on inside of you, what it hits in you if she says, A, I'm moving on, and B, sorry, she moves on with somebody else.
1: Pay attention. It's a great and vulnerable question and one that you need to keep looking for the answer that's personal to you because all of that is now built onto your story, Yeah, and all of that needs to be because you know you need it for your own sake yeah. and healing. And it's not to get her back, which happens so often that that's what gets mixed. It needs to be, I'm okay with whatever this outcome is because this is the path I need to be on. But, uh, yeah, find find those answers. Is that what I should keep out there? But it can't be the goal that I'm moving for something else inside of you that's much deeper and drawing you closer to your daddy.
0: And at least for a moment, no kidding here, for one moment – Put down the love dare book. And I I said, for a moment, because the guy's coming in. We're hunter-gatherers. I don't care where you are on the spectrum of anything in here, guys. We're hunter-gatherers, and I want to win her back. That's bad counseling. That's bad book. That's whatever you decide. Well, well, shit. Field dress her as a deer and mount her up above the fireplace. No, I'm trying to win her
1: back. If you want to field dress her as a deer and mount her above the fireplace... We, we're going to talk about different we'll tell, that's therapy a that's a whole other fetish therapy.
0: but really guys will say what can i do to win her back this isn't a game look and walk in your integrity with men around you in recovery and as my buddy justin says there's guys in samson sometimes and others who don't do therapy decide work out your story do that do your work and see if she picks you you know that's and the last thing, just it. pay attention to what age you feel when you're around her. I have an insecure attachment. You ever heard about attachment theory? It's really important. Google what you're attached, and mine has been insecure. I'm, I'm the most insecure man at the Samson retreat. You might as well know it. I got you all beat. I'm like, I wonder what they thought about me speaking. I Justin tells me I talk too fast. Everybody tells me I talk too fast, and I, I'm up here wanting to deliver as much, and I'm going, oh. And I go, I have to leave and go to my wife and grandkids and say, I left it all on the table, all on the floor here, but I'm, I'm in my brain. I'm going, so I've not been through divorce, but as that happens, I would think I've screwed it up and man, what can I do? And what does this say about me to have, we got a brother up here with a D on his hat. That's the Detroit Tigers, right? You have a D on you. What does that mean to me? Pay attention to how, what age you feel like, man, I takes me back again. If it's hysterical, it's historical. And suddenly I'm four again. That's, you don't even need a therapist for that. Talk with a buddy. and Well, how old are you? Ask each other in Samson. You guys in the podcast. Something comes up in a meeting. Don't be a therapist, but just say, how old do you feel? Where is this back in your life story? Yeah, when I was four, when I was six. You know, every guy pretty much is going to hit it. You know, I think it's hitting this other early wound in me. Just pay attention to that. Thank you, sir.
1: Okay, well, you just opened a bit of a... We'll be right back. Uh... <laughs> Okay, so they ask, how old do you feel? And yeah. I say, 11. They're like, okay, thanks for letting me know. So who's next? What do they say after that? What do they do with that they information? They
0: immediately schedule sessions with KK Ray and her team <laughs> to go do neurofeedback. No, really, because here's the thing. It's only the therapist. It's only the experts that, that can do any work. I'm, all, I'm a therapist. I get that. But no, I'm sitting. I could name guys in this group that I know. I'm going, and I already know they're already doing it. You know, Chris comes up, he's a coach, you know, right? So to sit there and say, you're not playing therapist, you're not Dr. Phil or something, but to say, hey, how old do you feel, you know? You, you're equipped, men, to go do that work, how old do you feel, 11. Now, you, if you didn't sit in work, like I did twice with KK Ray yesterday, it's like, okay, where are you? Just say, well, where are you in your story? What happened at, at age 11? Somebody died and made some rule that only therapists get to do the deep doo-doo work. Crap. Most people aren't even going to therapists. So just say what what, you mind saying, and then Jimbo's going to tell you this. Some of you have heard this four million years from me. Explore the fact. This happened to you. And everybody stops. Well, I know your story. You don't know crap. Impact. Fact, impact. Fact, impact. And say, can you just share a thought, buddy? What, What do you think that did to you when you were 11? I don't know, at least you're asking the question to go one level deeper, deeper. You guys know if you don't, take it with you, Proverbs 20, verse five, that's all you need. You don't need a therapist to do this. The purposes in a man's heart are deep waters. So a man of understanding, Sean, Justin, Gabe, I could go right down the line, comes alongside of you and helps to draw those purposes out. We have a church full of snorkelers and nobody's scuba diving. Be scuba divers and say, we're gonna go down deep. You don't need a friggin' degree for that and say, Remember the three words I gave you the other day? Tell me more. Rick, I- I- is there more? No, you're already off on your story. Is there more? And he'll hit a spot and go, I don't want to share anymore.
1: Good. Huge principle here that gets confused through growing up in the church is that most of us were taught to believe there needs to be an answer at the end of every conversation or confession. So you can't go diving for deep things without, at some point, you've heard stuff that's overwhelming yeah. to you as a listener, but you're like, I don't know what to do. I'm supposed to now say what to do about this. It's okay to just sit with each other. And then when you get to that point, go, wow, thanks for sharing that. It's amazing. I
0: love you. Great concept, by the way. And the Jewish people all know. Anybody from a Jewish background here? What's sitting shiva mean? Morning. Yeah. You're what Job's three friends were supposed to do, they didn't do. You sit with a person. So I'm with Aaron up here. The podcast people won't see it. What you want to do is be with a person. And again, you can say, huh, they just don't open their mouth, but you can say, Daryl, tell me more. Is there, is there more? Is just, let me hear you. And here's with, I'm with him listening. This is of him, not a hug, I'm enmeshed, I'm of him, i got to cure you. And all this, and my story's tangled, and all let me tell you mine and all like and that. And just ask with, if I not feel not uncomfortable us. with that, yeah. just like anybody else would in situation. the situation. Be with a guy, not of him. And you're all of him, like, wrapped up and just say, you know, I don't know, I can, are you, and, you know, some of you know me so well, are you open to a thought? That helps the trap door of the brain open get you out of that limbic brain. You open to a thought? Yeah. Uh, I've tried therapy, I've done some therapy, it's worked, or I got Chris, he's a coach, and I'm not selling him, but I'm just saying but this sounds like there's something I know, I know I'm just another beggar saying where I found food and I would maybe you go explore that somewhere deeper and get your friggin' hands off of it you must go to therapy no yeah. behold I stand at the door and knock you know Jesus is not kicking the door in he's not passing tracks under the, th- the, the thing he just says if you want to open the door we'll have
1: supper do you hear the humility in the way that was phrased though and the more experience you have the bigger asshole you're going to be in that moment. And so you have to think ahead. Like I know. Brilliant. I'm going to think I know the answer to this because I've either experienced it in my life or got to participate in somebody else's. And I'm like, oh, good. It's another one of these. So I know the answer instead of saying, first, do you mind if I say something? Can I have permission? If you're not asking for permission in a person's moment of vulnerability, you're violating them. You're touching their intimate parts without permission.
0: I'm glad you're so not vague and specific to say touching their intimate part. We're so afraid of the truth. And a person feels violated. Now, can I ask you a personal question? Please. I know you'll take it. I'll confess and then ask you. So when we are open mic, and me who've done 35 years of broadcasting and all kinds of questions and all that, when that mic gets set up and you say, Nate's gone, which fine, you and I on the podcast, which we've done before mm-hmm. with Nate, I have a level of anxiety, ambient anxiety that says, I have no idea what's coming out of that mic. And I'm on the spot, and this is being recorded. Do you have any of that? Or are you like, It's fine if you don't, but
1: I'm like, I don't know what's coming. I feel deep excitement and joy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I feel bad saying that now. I will book
0: an appointment with you. I'm going to book IW. You are the world's greatest coach, pastor, all that. Here's why that's important for me. Sometimes, and let me just ask quickly, guys of the podcast, raise your hand too. But did you ever have somebody ask you a question, and you got to be honest and look backwards, and have oh crap, I friggin' don't know the answer, and you feel the pull on you? Like it's pulling you, like I better say something. And why is it I went to this and they think of that and I'm the Samson, I'm a leader. And think, oh crap, Did you, anybody ever had that moment? See, in that moment, be careful, oh Lord, how I failed in this. Be careful about you open the mouth and just start bullshitting. And what of is you get to do what I call the holy huh, huh. And here's three things, however many words are in this to change your life. Let me think about that for a moment. You don't want, don't want dead air on a podcast, but the idea is saying huh cuz you really don't know and it's triggering you somewhere in your own story but you feel like i'm a i'm the leader of the samsamie i got to have an answer or we're talking over coffee no you don't you go and you know great uh, snoopy do you remember snoopy i have the cartoon saved he was writing a book and woodstock came up to him the little bird and said and snoopy said this he said snoopy said i'm writing a book on theology and woodstock said well what's the title and snoopy said right now the title is what if i'm wrong but you gotta know your theology and everything else. You can't be wrong. So you could sit there and say, I don't know, man. Here's a thought I have. Are you open to a thought? But the idea there's a time you you're just gonna be BSing because you don't know how to respond to say, I really don't know.
1: So first you ask permission before touching vulnerable, yeah. intimate parts. Second, admit that you might have seen this work in the past. It might have worked with you Brilliant. and it might not apply to this person. And so it's always, I don't know. Here's, here's what I'm thinking. Check it I know, out. And,
0: and then at the end, by the way, you want to take but out of your vocabulary. Everything before the but is BS. Brain's wired when you say, this is true, but just say and, elongate. And, I don't know, and, I do know this much. I've got my own story, and I am with you. Is there more you'd like to tell me? Invite. You don't have to stop with that. And, um, I know I'm with you. Is there, is there more you'd like to share around that?
1: You can never ask too much permission or make too many invitations, and it's all built on your own curiosity. I'm curious about this person. I'm not trying to fix this person because I don't know enough to be able to fix them. Yeah.
0: And back to Nehemiah that I shared here at the retreat in Chapter 2, that second question. you I noticing, mean, you look sad over there, bud. I can see your eyes. But that question of what do you want? What do you want, you idiot? No, it's huh. Do the holy huh. Huh. I hear you and know, all that, what, what, what do you want from me? Is you, do you want me just to listen to you, to hold space for you? Do you want a thought I have? It's not your job to carry their water. What do you, what, what do you want as you share this with me, because everybody wants something? Mm-hmm.
1: And those of you that grew up in the late 80s, early 90s, know the song, you do the huh, you do the holy huh, you do the huh, you do the huh. That was never in my
0: Baptist holy church. Huh. <coughs> I'll, I'll get that
1: recording later. Okay.
7: All right. All right. Hey, guys. Mike here. Mike, what up, dog? Hey, listen. Come, um, come
1: closer to the mic, Mike.
7: I ask this question a lot to other folks in um, the Call to Conquer series. They always talk about if you're going to solve this problem, you got to address your traumas. Um, I have a problem. I, I, the woman um, with the, holy, oh, the brain mapping described it. The fellow was given... Uh, how to tell your story, give us a definition of a trauma, something that exceeds your, you can't forget, and stuff. And I'm kind of a, I don't want to say lackadaisical, but I don't, don't get excited too much about things because I've been in a lot of stressful situations, and the first thing I could do is take my own pulse and take a deep breath and then go at it. Um, I don't know any of my traumas. Have
0: you been in the military, Mike?
7: Yeah, a little bit. Name
0: one trauma like a little bit. Come a little closer to the mic. I'm not worried. I just mm-hmm. we want to hear you, buddy. A little bit in the military or a lot? Did you see a lot in a little bit of time?
7: Yeah, I saw about twenty. I heard enough years. of
0: your story, but it's not my job to out it. Yeah. Name one trauma that anybody in this room would say, dude, that's a trauma. Trauma just means wound. If you got a belly button, you got trauma. Everybody does. What's one trauma you went through? Only if you're willing to share in the military.
7: Mm, you want an outrageous one?
0: The more outrageous, the better. I mean, this may be outrageous to you. I just want to know one. Remember what KK? Did you hear KK?
7: Yeah, I couldn't. Remember figure what she it said?
0: Vic, you couldn't. That's all right, buddy. Yeah. She said the vicarious trauma. What's that? Vicarious trauma means you're going through some area in Baghdad or Afghanistan or whatever, and these guys, like many I've worked with, got blown up and picking up body parts and everything else. They got out alive with survivor guilt and all that. Yeah, but the survivor, trauma yeah. of what they had to do, so I don't care if it's a big whopper or not. Name one military trauma only if you're willing to.
7: A guy having an AD while I'm getting on the plane to leave the island.
0: And the That's fact. Just think for a moment. We're not going to go into a counseling session, not the venue mm-hmm. for it, nor are you asking. What was the impact on you when that happened?
7: Scared the crap out of me because I was eight foot of uh, getting on a freedom bird. Yeah.
0: So that is a legit, most people would go, wow, trauma, and there may be more. And so inside, still, did you ever have any physical trauma, anything happen in your time in the military that harmed oh, you course. physically? Of course. Yeah. So maybe more than one. So I think even look at that, whether it's a TBI, traumatic brain injury. Ah, or no, some- no.
7: I get over it. Just keep moving forward, you know.
0: So that works often in the military, and maybe it still works for you now. Has that keep moving forward impacted you in relationships anywhere?
7: Yeah. If you want to get on this train, I'm going to Cleveland. If not, get on that out of the way.
0: Yeah. yeah. So some of that, if that quote works for you, like screw you, or you're on the train, that's the way it is. I always look at how does it impact in relationships. I don't need a relationship. I'm just me and. Man on an island, Simon and Garfunkel, I'm a rock, I'm an island. But he would look at how, always look at how does it impact relationships for you. So um, the first thing that happened to Aaron in life and Jimbo and everybody else in this room is you were born into trauma. Believe it or not, it was somewhat safe, unless your mother was on drugs or something, seriously, in utero, in the womb. And you come out like, what the hell has just happened? Whether you know it, the old days of getting smacked on the butt, or you were born, and some people have never even in their trauma egg or their life story looked at, what were you born into? Yeah, the cord was around my neck. So that part is always examine your story, and none of us getting out without trauma. None.
1: And the important thing about what you're saying is, I, mean, I think if I'm going to restate your question, I'm hearing a lot about trauma. No, you don't have to. I'm gonna, you're going to tell me if I'm right or not. You're saying I'm hearing a lot about this trauma. I don't feel like I have trauma that's holding me back, so it's hard for me to connect with all of this, right?
7: And <clears throat> apologize, guys, if, if my terms offend you, but
1: come on over the mic so that you'll they get can
7: over. Hear it. It. Yeah. I don't do the pity party thing, mm-hmm. okay? Right. And um, so my wallet is bleeding because of it. Okay. You know
0: what's that mean? Means our words frame our realities. So I don't know what that means.
7: Means I had to pay my quarterlies a month ago, <laughs> cash, cash. <laughs>
0: yeah. Good.
7: Yeah. Okay. So, so, uh,
1: so the so here here is my point. Yeah. The question that we can all ask anyone when you come up is simply, how is that working for you? To which you're saying it's great. Now I'll bet there are at least a few people that are like, I want to push back on Mike. I want to explain to him how it's not working for him.
7: right? Uh, yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah.
1: and that probably annoys you cuz you know there's people out here like they're uh, going to try to figure out how no, I'm traumatized
7: cuz I I I I've been trained to, yeah, okay, all right. I'll get back to you. All right. See ya.
1: Okay. So, that does that mean when they're doing that you just kind of let them talk and then move on and yeah, okay. flush. Right. Flush. <laughs> I never knew that's where the knob was. Uh so, I I think I, I think it's. You're being very clear. This is working great for me. You have to know that if you get to a certain point where you're like, "Okay, there's certain things that are happening that I'm not liking. This isn't working great for me." Yeah, but but nobody wants to hear a complainer. Uh, Anybody in here volunteer to hear a complainer? Okay. Don't be a coach,
0: a therapist, or a pastor, or a friend if you're not, or a silence.
1: Yeah. So I'm I'm letting letting you have all the other statements. You don't get to have that one because you're speaking for them, and they're saying, "I'm sorry, we are here." Uh, Can I just say, he's told me stories. I have trauma from him telling me. (laughs) (laughs) Will that get on Mike? (laughs) Can can
0: he say that on Mike? Sure. Big D, say that on Mike. Because the podcast guys won't hear. I, I, I hang out with Mike, and he's
1: told me stories, and I have trauma from hearing his stories.
0: Sometimes that's where a good friend or brother can say, hey, and I'll give you one, because Mike, you're a straight shooter. I was in the small group with you down there. I mean, I like you, buddy. Um, I do. I really do. Uh, do let, let your Samson guys do a 360 with you, but hopefully they're not going to be jerks. And say, so, all right, we're sitting in meetings, and say, so, all right, hey, guys, would you have it to give? By the way, if I'm violating Samson rules, then don't do it. But get coffee or the meeting after the meeting and say, how do I impact you in the meetings? What do you see in me? What's? How do you experience me? Now, if you're over there with the double birds ready to go screw with the rest of you and all like that, then you're not, but just be open and say, go to the here and now. We often don't go to the here and now. Four or in a million years ago, say, here and now, how do you experience me? And then listen. That can be the relationship part can be very insightful.
1: So Mike, I'm going to end with this. Um, I, I feel like I felt like you before where I'm hearing something that I'm not connecting with. Um, and, and that I know that other people are thinking you're lying about something, Aaron. I I felt that before you, you're not, you are traumatized. You are. But here's the deal that I just want to say before we move to the next question. You're here this weekend and I honor that. Yeah. Men, does anyone else honor the fact that he's here this weekend? And that's, and that's a thing. So thank you. Thanks for being here. Well, I can't. Yeah,
0: and I want to add to that as we have our my buddy coming up to the mic over here, uh, my hub H U B, and it's not corny, Mike, because you don't take corny. I can tell. I hear you, H U. I understand you, and B. I believe you. You came in my office or whatever. I'm gonna go. How else can I help? What do you want? I don't know. I go not mine to figure out. I'll sit with you. I mean, what do you want to do? But if you, I don't think I have trauma, even though we got Daryl back here going, I experienced that secondary trauma as you told your story, but man, I'm not going to ever work harder on another person's life. Men never Uh, work harder on another man than he's working on himself.
1: Wait, I didn't hear that. Can you say that one more time? I thought you said something, but the words did
0: not Yeah, never work harder on someone else's Mm -hmm. life, including by the way, your spouse or partner get in recovery, never work harder. Well, Mike, he's just there. We're just glad you're here in the meeting and all that. I hear you believe you. All right. Up next, Daryl, it's your turn to share. Just keep, that's why I love doing group therapy and group work and then see if the guy goes to victim later. Oh yeah. I put that stuff out and you pick them more and you don't do this. And I tell stuff and you had a little bit of that on Mike, Mike, didn't you? Yeah. What was your line you used? Do you remember what I share stuff? And then yeah, yeah, man, man, they just go on. What did you mean by that? Just real quick, what did you mean by that? I thought you meant like nobody's there for you.
7: No, if you've been sued three times, you learn how to survive.
0: I mean, is my buddy going to quit putting out trauma in this room? Jimbo, Jeff. I mean, I've been sued three times. I'm like, Shiky. Okay, so, but nobody can get you there. You have to decide. And Aaron asked the best question. How's it working for you? Not, you dumbass. How's it working for you? worked well for me. I actually somehow believe strangely it does. Addiction worked well for me. You know some of us, if we had not had addiction, we'd be dead, we'd have suicided. KK talked about this. It's true. I tell people that all the time. So somehow it's working for you. If that changes,
8: let's talk. All
1: right. right, Two more questions. Here we go. You're up, Connor. Uh,
8: Hi, I'm Connor. Hey, Hey,
1: Connor. Connor.
8: So last night, I went to KK Ray's uh, trauma class thing Um. And I learned I might have to separate from a loved one for a while. And I just thought, hey, any advice is good. I need advice on how to handle that.
1: So handle it in what way? The the fear of how you'll feel or what, what way are you looking for advice?
8: The fear of losing my birth
0: father. I was there for it, and you know that, and we talked a little bit out here. So, KK had those two things when we are faced with a situation with a real person that we want to defend something and attachment. Attachment just means my birth father, your words, I want to attach. And you're how old? I already know the answer. Would you mind sharing how old you are?
8: Um, I'm 14.
0: 14, and here we are. Isn't that great? It's platform. That's 14 to be heard. So real quick, seriously, so at 14, you're there, and uh, I'll tell you you something that will change your life for the rest of your life. I'm serious. A boundary without a consequence is a mere suggestion. A boundary without a consequence is a mere suggestion. I hear people say, well, somebody's boundaried me, and they say I must, no, no, that's not, a. you don't boundary another person. See, a force field around you, that's a boundary that says I, if I get choice, and you may have that at 14 legally, That I am responsible for whatever energy people bring toward me, whatever crap. You're responsible. So I believe the reason people don't have boundaries, which makes sense, is grief. So for you, if you have boundaries and they're supported for, you said, a birth father to say, I'm not going to allow you to do this to me. What do you fear on the the, the loss of attachment? It would seem simple, but what are you afraid of if you were to say, I'm not going to, you don't get to treat me that way? What do you fear?
8: I fear he goes through his grief, his trauma, and I fear he doesn't come out. Suicide? Worst case scenario, yeah. Yeah. There's so
0: much meat to what he just said. Listen, that's why a lot of us won't have our boundaries and take suicide out for a moment. I'm afraid that you will go into your grief And your trauma, oh, what a gift. I'm not sending you into it, but if I have a boundary and you then somehow go into your grief and trauma, maybe luck of the draw, you go do therapy. But I get your fear. You will lose your bio father, right? Yeah. And then remember what KK did so much work on? You literally are 14. She's not asking a guy here how old he feels. And would you feel at 14? Because this could change your life today. Somehow I would be responsible because you could leave this in this beautiful setting on the carpet. I claim today I will not be responsible if my bio dad went down that path. Or where are you with that?
8: I mean, if I'm being honest, I'd Please probably be. put, like, truly being honest, 5% of the blame on myself.
0: Is anybody here? I mean, is that high or low? Gracious me, bro. You're already down the wrist clap for that. Seriously. Only 5%? You have permission to put 5% of the blame. See, we're after therapy where I get completely healed. That's called heaven. 5%, I'm going, that seems really healthy. Good for you. 5%, because you got to work that. Blame is an attempt, brother. Listen, blame is an attempt to discharge pain. Shame, S-H-A-M-E, self-hatred at my expense. That five is going to go to four or three. Maybe it goes no lower than three, but you say, yeah.
1: Connor, do you ever fear that that 5% on certain days can get up to 95% and you feel the weight of I did this and if the worst happened it would be because of me or do you feel like that 5 is a solid place
8: I'd say very few times I've felt a 95 okay sometimes it'll go up to 10 okay 25 yeah. but my, da- my dad shares a lot with me. I'd say I blame a lot of it on his father for wow. being a jerk to him. That's called compassion. Mm-hmm.
1: It's a lot of compassion. And the fact that that compassion is keeping your accepting the blame from going up past 25. I mean, 25 is still lower than most people in the situation you're in. So if that's like the outer limits and you are the buffer that is keeping it there is the compassion of saying, I know there's a reason, there's a trauma in your life that brought you here. I see that. You just have to keep being on this path. You're looking for advice. I think the advice is keep being on the path you're on. You can love him and have boundaries. In fact, you can't love him well without those boundaries. How he deals with it is his responsibility And there's reasons for it that are way outside of you. So you just keep doing what you're doing and loving him each step of the way, even if it gets worse, not suicide, but maybe something else you go. Okay. How do I love you here? What are the new boundaries so that I can continue to love you because I'm not going to abandon you. I'm just going to have boundaries so I can love you and you're doing exactly right.
0: And adding, no way topping, I use this all day long because it's so wonderful. It's in the Bible. Agape love, that's the richest love, means seeking the other person's highest good. Sometimes, and I have no question you'll understand this. You've got this. Sometimes it's time. Oh, I love that person. Some of you in this room, it's your spouse. Divorcing, not, wherever, your kids. I love my dad, my bio dad, so much. Uh Uh-oh it's time for me to step out of the way that he might intersect Jesus because I'm over there trying to save him, trying to do whatever else. He's, but if I do this, point, counterpoint, and to say it's just time for me to step out of my way and maybe hits bottom, we call it, in many ways to hit bottom. Um, and that's something to, uh, there, there is somebody bigger than you. You're not just stepping out of the way no matter how dark it gets for him. And I want to affirm you as an older guy been talked about all weekend here many of us are in our 40s or 50s or older and at times we act 14 heal the boy and the man will appear here we have a 14 that's you 14 year old who you who's acting way beyond you it's not acting you're walking in integrity you're getting started earlier than many of us did you've got this and you're not alone okay buddy You're not alone. You clearly love your father. Keep that in mind.
1: There's something we sometimes do to honor other people. We stand up and we lift both our hands. We don't have to say anything. I want you to look around. Look around. Because these are the men that honor the process you're in. Thanks, Connor.
0: You open for a hug? Yeah. You are a man among men, buddy. Yeah. Love you, buddy. Proud of you.
2: performance anxiety is real up here. Hey guys, I'm Bud. 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 Um, Five years into recovery, um, at the beginning was a year separated from my wife, reconciled, came back together. Now two years separated again. Um, Very toxic relationship. I can identify a lot of having that hope of wanting to reconcile, wanting to make things better. I've spent five years trying to do everything to make everything right and obviously can't. Um, And so it's very hard. Uh, My wife makes it very clear that she doesn't want to be married, but she's also not going to file for divorce. Um, and so just a really big mess. We found an international organization together. Um, I, I kind of left the position, gave it to her, let her run it and all of these things. And now I'm on my second therapist telling me like that, not telling me to, but like kind of really encouraging me, like you need, you need to file for divorce and, and stop this kind of charade and to separate myself and kind of detach and whatnot. Um, I struggle a lot with um, guilt and shame of the, the trauma and the pain and the hurt that I inflicted on her and many people in my life being an aggressor um, and now about to pull the trigger on this. And like, how do I deal with that knowing that I'm about to inflict a lot more trauma and pain and not only affect her life and my children's lives, but our entire organization that will probably kind of implode um, because they've already let me know, like they're going to fire her if we're not working on our marriage Um, and just being okay with that and not feeling like I'm being selfish. Um, Thank you, but
0: if I may just real quickly, I listen again. Our words frame our reality. So, if I divorce, I I as the fellow file for divorce, I'm going to inflict more trauma. And I, mean, I just stopped when you said that. Mm-hmm. This is a curious question. Curious, not furious. How do you know that? Now, take the as soon as you mix the organization, I got to parse that out. It's important. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But if I divorce, I'm inflicting more pain on my, my wife and my kids. I'm
2: with you, but how do you know that? I don't know for sure, but it's just, I don't know. I just, I just feel a lot of guilt that like I'm doing that, like I'm the one who's... You're below the pain already. See how he went lower?
0: To the guilt. Yeah. Now, with kids, more is caught than taught. So what do you think they pick up on? Everybody wants to go, oh. what are they picking up? And often it's a mirage, not a marriage. What are
2: they sensing between you and your wife? I think the hardest part is that like they just think this is normal. And this is like how it is. They don't really, I I know they're smart, but it's just like we do everything we can. My wife does everything we can to kind of pretend like it is normal and make people think that our lives are normal. Um, Double dog dare you to bring those kids in front of a therapist and you'll find out
0: how much that pretending ain't working. Uh, Just a thought.
1: No idea having not met your kids, but I can say that the second I did a lot of exactly that. Let me keep things normal. And the last almost year of conversations with my kids, my jaw has been on the floor as to how clearly they saw things that I thought I had covered up and that they thought their job was to cover up and pretend just like I was pretending. Oh, I guess that's what we do. Dad's pretending. So we could be totally wrong and they might think it's totally fine. I'm just saying I have learned with my children I was not nearly as good of a cover-up artist and faker as I thought. Yeah. And I'm thankful for that now.
0: That sets us up for peace, peace faking, not peacemaking. Yeah. By the way, what's it profit a man if he gains his entire marriage, family, and ministry, but loses his own soul? The word there is suitcase, self. I lose me in the midst of it. So that's a big thing. And I'm, I'm really maintaining a mirage for various reasons. No judgment from Jim. And what I've seen out of the practical level, see it all the time, is somebody's waiting for the other person to fire them. And do you have biblical grounds for divorce? Biblical, yeah. Uh, you know, biblical. So, is do you have biblical grounds? And so, the idea of God thought up marriage. Who technically thought up divorce, gentlemen? You know, Sean. I know. I mean, we others here. You've heard me say it's it, all I'm saying. God's one, he said, you know, this is just women trapped over here. So the idea is, so am I here? Do I have biblical grounds for divorce? I don't know. Does grace cover even that much higher? That God says, I get it. Quit being a legalist when well, you don't have the grounds for it, when everybody's divorcing anyhow, or a lot of people are. So for you is to look, pay attention to what goes on inside you, if I were to be the one, because I have seen women for a number of reasons, not pathologizing any of them, who they're saying, some have just said it to me, I'll never divorce him. I'll keep him in purgatory or in limbo or I know he's a good looking guy like you are, like he'll go marry someone. So there's all kind of practical reasons. Uh-uh, I ain't doing it or I won't have the stigma of the D divorce. And I think there can, can, be, you decide great dignity sometimes as it can be for a guy to get alone by himself, get counsel and say, what am I going to do? Remember it also Ephesians chapter five. And a lot of people miss this. Maybe you haven't, but marriage is not about you and your spouse. Higher calling, it's a picture of the world of Christ and his bride. What's that evangelism looking on people sensing that, whether they know or not? There's an energy, KK says, KK Ray, that we're putting off. So I think you have to get alone. I have never one time in my life recommended semi-divorce. I ain't coming to me for that. You got to figure that out. You've got to get alone, decide what you want to do. But sometimes wives, and I can understand, will hang on forever. Like, I'm just not doing it. The ministry, the this, the funds, the whatever. I will tell you one last thing. I'll be done. Let me tell you what young men, 18 to 22, have said in my office. So they've taught me no master's degree needed. They say everybody's talking about the kids getting impacted by a divorce. You know what sucks? Go off to college and then you get divorced. And I said, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, the kid says I was the frigging glue. And then the kids carry all that pain and all dumped on them. They say, you think it's worse on young kids? They said, it's worse
1: to go off to college, then they do it? Not to mention, they're not at home. <laughs> not to mention, they're not at home. They're yeah. in some dorm with they, 14 kegs and a, a bunch of inappropriate ways to self-soothe. So, that's a,
0: not a small point.
1: It's huge. It's the worst place for them. Yeah.
0: Kids are resilient. They're, all the research shows it. This doesn't I mean this is easy street, but they will bounce back. Yeah. They have great resiliency. And well, I think our kids are saying... Uh, KK's son did it in the car. Those of you were in here at a call. I just want the truth. And believe me, they are watching. They know more. Never think you're BSing your kids because it doesn't work.
1: And I'll just say, looking back over the years, and especially this last summer, just grieving my part, uh, understanding my part in different ways. Um, when I was in your situation. I could not possibly figure out the right road because all of them seemed like, well, but that's totally wrong in that way. But if I do that, that's totally wrong in that way. And it is hard. So you got to keep the conversation going and decide that you're not her savior. She's going to have to fix her stuff. Um, so keep, keep walking it. You'll, you'll find it.
2: Thanks, guys.
9: All right, last Goodbye. one. Here we yes. go. Yes, My namesake. Come on. Hey, I'm I'm Aaron. Hey, Hey, Aaron. Uh, Just any perspective. um, I'm having a ton of anxiety right now, but uh, I'm just having a real tough time grieving the loss of the addiction and grieving the losses of the addiction. And, you know, I just feel like from the ages of 21 to 25, I just... I kind of just went into a mode of a bunch of uh, self-destruction, and my worth got tied into it. My identity as a black man got tied into it. Um, and it's just uh, it, it's tough, you know. Um, I think you know there were I think there were a lot of narratives placed on me as a kid that I don't. That just, you know, just aren't fair, you know, for kids of any age, whether it's a kid or a teenager. Um, and those things have even just like got into my mind, you know, um, this is, it's played just a number on my mindset, you know, just how I think of myself. And, you know, I, I keep hearing a lot and it's making more sense now than it used to of just like, you know, you have to be running to something and I feel like I spend a lot of time just stuck in, what am I running to? You know, like, I don't, what am I running to? And um, yeah, so just, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at.
1: Aaron, would you sit there, because I know you're not loving standing in front of everybody. Um, man, you touched on the identity piece like a few times. And isn't it a killer that our particular passions for sin end up becoming an identity, both that we put on ourselves and other people put on us. This is who you are. And then we try to fix that sometimes by saying, if I can get out of this sin, then I'll have a new identity that's completely built on my success at getting out of the sin, which is equally as inaccurate. I still haven't found an identity. Here's the good news. Our struggles with sin are absolutely not defining parts of who we are. There is one defining part of who I am. I am completely beloved because Jesus was enough. And every time my flesh is saying, okay, hold on though, you're this kind of sinner then I need to say, hmm, that feels true. So I believe, and I say this out loud in front of a mirror, when my identity is hit with, this sin means I am this, I look in the mirror and say, Jesus, your blood was not enough. You are too pathetic to give me an identity that's bigger than that. And when I say that, I feel sickened because everything in my soul says, I don't believe that, though. And I say, okay, all right. What is the gospel? Jesus is enough to make me perfectly beloved of the Father. That right now he's like, oh, kid, you know that sin that you're focusing on that means the world? I know what that's about. Come here, dude, come here, come here. He just holds me. I love you. The answer to my identity questions cannot come from the condemnation of the Pharisees or my becoming a Pharisee that simply says, these actions will define me and give me an identity. I have an identity that's set and it's apart from myself. That, I love the gospel, by the way. That is something that we all know and it takes years to reckon. Before I can say, I reckon myself dead to sin, but alive in Christ. That's not there anymore, but I reckon it. It's my full belief. It is my response. You believe what I just said. I already know that. We talked about it. But man, the reckoning is the, I need people in my life that aren't just trying to talk about addiction, but they're talking about the gospel. They're saying, Aaron, this is who you are. You say, yeah, but, and whatever came with yeah, but, we say, oh yeah, I forgot. Jesus was not enough for that butt, right? That was a big butt, wasn't it? Jesus couldn't overcome that. And you say, no, that's ridiculous. You say, okay, then let's get back to it. That feels like a big butt. It breaks my heart. Tell me the gospel again. Tell me the gospel again. And then we can work on the practicals. But oh, how we need to be people who are more passionate about the gospel being the answer than the next book that gives us a little more tool action to stop sinning. Because then it just helps us gain identities as Pharisees. And fuck that. Dude, I love you. From the second I sat down back there, and I felt like, man, I felt like I made you uncomfortable every time I (laughs) am around with you. But there, I just, my heart is like, Aaron, come on. And I see that pain of the stuff you've had to carry. Get around people that preach the gospel to you every day. Because it takes time for it to soak in, hit our soul, and become the reckoning. Where I'm not trying to be a Christian. I'm not trying to look more Christian. I just am experiencing responses that are built in the person and work of Christ.
0: It's going to be hard, seriously. This isn't a funny moment. Hard to follow up that. I mean, what an ultimate benediction, Aaron. Um, so glad you brought this. Me too. In my own ways, I'm with you. You're not. You're definitely not alone. Uh, a lot of things I could say. I'd just like to give you Colossians chapter three. It's really practical. This isn't going to be Bible time. The Puritans, these people, whether you like them or not, in history came along and they called this mortify and vivify, and it's a simple left and a right move. You, I know, play some sports. Which sports? Ran track, good. See, and I'm like, this is a holy moment for me. Because our words frame a reality. I want you to run track, but when you're walking the gospel out and all that, walk in the spirits, not run except for Hebrews, you're running a race. I want you to walk. Change the language. But when I run, I run from this, stop running, slow down. Even the neurochemistry, I'm running to the next thing. Here's what Colossians 3, Paul said, and the Puritans called it mortify, you know that word from mortician, kill. Kill the deeds of the flesh. But then everybody stops. I'm just, no. He says, but vivify vivacious, give life to what's alive in you. So I bless you with Colossians 3. A, walk, don't run. It's not passive. Just walk in the spirit. KK would tell us, as I know, bilateral stimulation As you're walking. They, that's all they did through the New Testament. So they weren't running, they walking. Did not our hearts burn within us as we walked? Walk, and as you walk, Kill the deeds of the flesh. It means it kind of takes some, you gotta kill. You gotta stop this and then wait a minute because nature abhors a vacuum. You'll grieve through the losses. The neurochemistry of your brain and body will change. It will. Kill the deeds of the flesh, but give life to what's most alive in you. Whatever is most alive in you, go there and say that this is alive. I choose, there's no day acting out that ever is as good as one day in recovery. Ever, ever. So the idea of saying, I'm gonna kill this stuff here, be in community, and I'm gonna give life to what's most alive in you. Psalm 8 says, you right there, us two, all of us, do you know, you're crowned with glory and honor. That's who we are. And so walk in that, and you know the Japanese call, at least allegedly, if you fall down, get up, fall down seven times, get up eight. So it's like, You know, the guy looked in the walls of the monastery, which is kind of a cool place, a monastery, and he said, what do you all do in there to the monks? And he said, we fall down, we get up. We fall down. I mean, they bow down. So if you fall down, just keep keep moving on to what you're doing and choose life. Deuteronomy 30 for every man here. The father, our dad, our real daddy, he said, I've set before you this day life and death. Why in the heck would you put death before me as a good daddy? I've set before you life or death, two paths. Blessing or cursing? And he said, I say to you, if you want to know what daddy says, he says, I say to you, choose life, wait, that you and your children may live. So whatever our fathers have brought down here, how about you and all of us going forward, that you and your children may live, to just choose life with where you are. Okay? Thank you for sharing,
1: too. Thanks for coming. All right, Aaron. We have reached the end of our show today. Have we? But we would love to hear from you. You can write to us, send in your questions or comments, to uh, Secret, I never do this part because I can't remember the email address, so look it up. Don't be lazy. Oh, Sean. Pirate Monk podcast at gmail.com. You'd think that I could remember that after, what, 15 years? Well, I can't, so stop judging me. That's not kind.
0: And we welcome your tithes and offerings. Oh, that's a different podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't need that.
1: Well, we're your friends. I'm Aaron.